What's up, everybody? Marshall Media Montage here. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, season 2, I guess I can label it episode 24. Sure, why not? Might as well just keep going. I'm not going to rewrite, you know, episode 1. I'm just going to keep going. Episode 24, season 2. I start off by talking a candy and then a, a well-known drink. I talk a toy, a board game, another toy, and a cartoon. And in no particular order, here it is. Episode 24. 25. I don't even know anymore. Season 2 episode, whatever the fuck. You'll enjoy it. Here it is. Let's go. Well, here it is. Happy New Year, everybody. I think I'm going to start off by talking about this candy. Dig it. This is a push pop. You either know what to do with it, or you don't. Yo. You gotta be hip to the pop. Push pop. Push it up, push it down, keep it hanging round. You gotta be hip to the pop. Push pop. Taste of grape and cherry, watermelon, raspberry. You gotta be hip to the pop. It's something else. Yeah, that's the rap. Dig it now, lick it later, just give it the cap. Get hip to it. Yeah, see the light. Nothing else fits you. Slow the pop. You gotta be hip to the pop. Push pop. You gotta be hip to the pop. Push pop. Wow. A 1994 commercial, apparently with Ryan Reynolds in it. But, uh, yep, I'm talking Push Pops. At the dawn of the 80s and 90s, Push Pop became a cultural phenomenon, basically a ring pop in a chapstick. I'll get to that momentarily. Uh, it was a chapstick lipstick-like device, and it makes sense since both were created by Topps Candy. Uh, it's essentially the same thing, just minus the you know ring device. It's in a little chapstick uh, cap device, as I said and proved to be a hit among kids and teenagers alike. The success derived from the fact that you could put the top back on and you can carry it with you. The youngins loved this idea and soon was adopted by many as the sweet treat as their go-to favorite. The candy itself was uh, provided, or excuse me, not provided, produced in Taiwan and shipped over to the States. It debuted in 1986, coming in many flavors. There were varieties as well to the device like spring-loaded jumbo, triple power, flip and dip, and sliders, as well as the push pump spray, which I recall, uh, recall as having, I believe, sour flavors the spray did. In 2020, uh, the gummy roll was added to the line, coming in a tape-like uh, dispenser, allowing the consumer to pull and tear off the desired piece, similar to that of a uh, bubble tape. The uh, gummy has four flavors, strawberry, watermelon, blue raspberry, and berry blast. It has proven to be a popular product with kids, and it won the Candy Industry Kids' Choice Award for Best Novelty Candy. That's a pretty cool, uh, you know, award to win. Lastly, it's famous for its uh, slogans. I have three. There are multiple. Uh, don't push me. Push a push pop. And uh, give life a push. And what? You've never pushed a push pop? Silly, silly times. Uh, I'll always remember the commercial and seeing these on the conveyor uh, display at most grocery stores, you know, when your parents put the groceries up there and you point at something on the shelf, can I have it? You know, in the end, then I ended up getting a push pop or more than likely probably a Snickers or a score bar. But, uh, yes, I definitely remember seeing these and it brings me back some good times with this candy. Anyway, that's what I have for you. Now let's talk about this next subject. Nothing like a little candy uh, sugar, so let's uh, have a little slightly sugary drink. And here's the commercial. Fuzzy in the morning? How about breakfast with the intense orange taste of Floating Perhaps the mega orange taste of even more tang. Walking zombie? Tang to the extreme, if you dare. Vitamin 
insane, screaming orange taste. Don't say we didn't warn you. Tag, it's a kick in a glass. Oh, I love that tagline. It's a kick in the glass. So, yeah, I'm going to be talking about Tang, the drink. An American drink mix brand that was formulated by General Foods Corporation scientist William A. Mitchell and chemist William Bruce James and a paleontologist and a botanist and a philosophist. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> the first two were actual scientists and a chemist. It's just incredible that it <laughs> scientists developed it. You know, what the fuck? It's a drink, people. But anyway, the first two are true, as I stated. It, it developed in 1957 and marketed a powder in 1959, two years later. Currently owned by Mondela's International, a 2012 North American company spinoff of Kraft Foods. Kraft slash Heinz owned the tag brand in the States. Sales were poor until NASA used it on John Glenn's Mercury flight in February of 1962. I read that uh, it was easier to essentially mix the tang in the water rather than having, you know, soda cans up there, which makes sense because the whole atmospheric pressure thing, I would think cans would explode. Anyway, since it's been associated in the U.S. spaceflight program, uh, creating the uh, misconception tang was invented for the space program, which it wasn't. Uh, In 2013, former NASA astronaut stated about the product that tang sucks. (laughs) Uh, It's funny that that's all he had to say about it. Wow. The creators of Tang also invented Pop Rocks, Cool Whip, and Flavors of Jello. The product noted for advertising in the 1990s featuring the famed orangutan in the 1998 commercial, which I just showed you, as a recurring theme. uh, Orange-flavored contributed to most of the uh, sales worldwide. However, there are a range of uh, flavors offered globally, like grape, lemon, mango, pineapple, among others. It is sold in about 35 countries. Top three markets are the Philippines, Brazil, and Argentina. In the Middle East, more than half of Tang's sales occur in about six weeks around Ramadan. Uh, I'll always remember the drink in the Capri Sun-like pouch and the little cardboard box that it came with, uh, with the orangutan on it personally. I enjoyed it despite Buzz Aldrin's remarks. So thanks, Tang, for a fun childhood. I, I enjoyed drinking this. Moving on to the next topic. Here it is. Well, in the vein of talking 90s, since I talked candy and drinks, uh, let's bring that over to the floor or a table and talk this game. I don't know if I've seen that commercial. I definitely remember the other commercial. It's the crazy contraction, the funnest action or whatever something. And it's Mousetrap. I remember that one. But that was the commercial that I first found and I'm going to roll with it. So Mousetrap, first published by Ideal Toy Company in 1963, requiring two to four players, one of the first mass-produced three-dimensional board games. Players cooperate to build a working trap in the Rube Goldberg machine uh, style, then turn against each other to trap the opponent's uh, mouse game piece published by Hasbro set up time according to the instructions is allotted five to 15 minutes but if you were an impatient kid with a uh, tang in hand and a push pop in the other then you would have your uh, in, impatient upset dad uh, build it instead 
Uh, playing time was, according to the instructions, a half hour, and the age to play was six and up. In the 1990s, it was adapted to a game show called Motormouth on British TV, so no wonder we in the States never heard of it before. The basic premise since the 60s has been the same, more or less. Invented by Marvin Glass and his associated company of the same name, granted a U.S. patent in 1967. The original published version in 1963 was designed by uh, Hank Cosmo Kramer. Shout out to Seinfeld. I'm just kidding. His name is uh, Hank Kramer, not Cosmo. But yes, Seinfeld kicks ass. Of Ideal Toys, uh, filling in the details that Marvin, uh, Marvin Glass left open allowing the players almost no decision-making and keeping with other games for young children, such as Candyland and Shoots and Ladders, or Snakes and Ladders, same shit. The winner is determined to be the last one remaining after all other players are captured, then tortured. No, I'm just kidding. All, all the mouse uh, components are captured. <laughs> I'll always remember the uh, commercial for sure and the jingle, as I stated before, uh, loosely. Uh, like I said, I couldn't find that commercial. I'm sure it's on there. I just couldn't find it. Uh, then building it essentially just to watch the device do its work. I don't think me or, you know, cousins or neighbors or even my sister and I ever really played it. We just built it and watched it do its thing and then put it away. It was just something to do, I guess, for a couple minutes. <sighs> another toy that, you know, is just fun to watch. And another toy that I would like to talk about is this next thing. <music> Well, I'm going to be talking about this toy now, uh, specifically this commercial reminding me so much of my favorite aspect in regards to this toy. Badass. What a cool commercial. It even had like claymation, like stop motion on a volcano. That was pretty cool. So I'm talking Hot Wheels, an American brand of scale model cars by Toymaker Mattel in 1968, being the primary competitor for Matchbox until 1997 when Mattel bought out Tyco Toys, which was the owner of Matchbox. Automobile manufacturers worldwide uh, since licensed Hot Wheels to make their cars, allowing original blueprint designs and detailing. Although intended for kids and young adults, they have become popular among adult collectors, including myself. I have Toad from Mario Kart, the uh, Turtle Van from Ninja Turtles, and Fred Flintstone's car. The originals <coughs> were made by Elliot Handler. The creator incidentally saw his son Kenneth playing with Matchbox and decided to compete with the toy. Designed initially to be more like a hot rod compared to the Matchbox, which were generally small-scale models of production cars at the time. He began producing with associate uh, fellow engineer Jack Ryan. The first line, known as the original Sweet 16, the Red Line series, named for uh, the tires having a red pinstripe on the side. The first uh, produced was a dark blue custom Camaro. Next, a racetrack set was uh, sold separately made consisting of bright orange road sections. I definitely had the orange and pink ones growing up for sure. It also featured service stations, uh, battery-powered spinning wheels as well to propel the car, of course. Uh, plastic tires seemed to work better than matchbox uh, metal wheels at the time. Fast forward, there were variations throughout the 70s and 80s, uh, Black Walls era as it's known among collectors, but I recall the collector's uh, numbered era uh, in 1989, uh, Mattel released uh, collector's models, each with their own number, with the highest being 274. 
However, some were skipped, such as 4861 and 173. Not used. I'm not necessarily sure why. I couldn't find anything. Again, fast forward to 1995 to 1999, the treasure hunt era. Cars were split into series in 1996, renamed first editions... Uh, yeah, Happy New Year's. First editions, one each year starting in 96 through 2000. Uh, new wheels also came about in the 1990s. Mattel, as I said, bought out Tyco uh, Toys in 97, and in 98, Mattel celebrated their 30th anniversary of Hot Wheels by replicating various cars in individual packaging, replicated vehicles, and special 30th uh, anniversary boxes. In 99, Hot Wheels Interactive launched. Moving ahead to 2018, I know I skipped a couple years, but I'll explain. Hot Wheels uh, filed a new trademark motto, it's not the same without the flame. That's a pretty cool uh, slogan. Hot Wheels designer Ryu Asada died on March 28, 2021 at 42, suffering from cancer. Rest in peace, sir. Your toy lives on in many people's hearts and lives. Since the 90s, the toy has been collected, uh, believed the craze started with their line of the Treasure Hunt series in 95. Mark Strauss, a collector called the father of Hot Wheels, collecting and uh, organized events each year since 1986. Fast forward, uh, Strauss in 2011 sold his collection and retired from the Hot Wheels newsletter. Now, personally, I recall the stunt track uh, driving game in 1998 on Windows being really fun, revolutionary, putting you in the driver's seat in a first-person perspective, building and racing tracks. It was a lot of fun with early polygonal uh, graphics. It was really cool if you ask me i had a lot of fun playing that i also vividly remember like most kids i'm sure building it all through the house and playing with them like it was just so cool at the time i even remember a track being featured on the film disney's uh, honey we shrunk ourselves i believe was 97 if i'm not mistaken not the best in the series but a cool uh, sequence within that film for sure lastly i recall owning the motorized volcano blowout popping out the top that's why I put that commercial right before I decided to talk about it. Doing flips in that thing was just so freaking cool and crashing cars. I had a two-story home as a kid, so no need for motors most of the time. Gravity did most of the work down the damn stairs. Thanks for taking a trip down memory lane with me uh, with this small little badass metal car. It was a lot of fun talking about it and researching it. So let's talk another oldie but goodie cartoon. Let's go. In the same vein of other Disney cartoons, I'm going to play this theme song and then talk about the show and video games. Hell yeah. Awesome. Brings back so many memories. I smell uh, the same musician for uh, another uh, Disney cartoon. I'll get to that momentarily. 
Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers animated adventure comedy created by Tad Stones. I sense a cartoon theme here, as I said. <coughs> Having done others, and Alan Zaslove, also Tad Stones, as I said. Featuring Chip and Dale in a new setting, premiering March 4th, 1989, after the episode Catteries Not Included aired August 27th, 1988, as a preview. The final episode aired on November 19th, 1990. Overall, they had three seasons and 65 episodes, similar to that of Tailspin, which also had, I believe, 65 to 66 episodes. Distributed by, you guessed it, Buena Vista Subsidiary, a Disney, you know, subsidiary. From 1990 to 1993, reruns aired as a part of Disney Afternoon, and in 98, it was removed from Syndicate. It became available and launched on Disney Plus when they launched November 12th, 2019. Released on Blu-ray January 25th, 2022, so last year now, (laughs) via Disney Movie Club, then February 15th, everywhere else. The synopsis is that the two chipmunks start a detective agency along with friends, Gadget, Hackwrench, Monterey Jack, and Zipper. They deal with crimes that are often small for police, and the gang frequently, frequently... uh, find themselves up against two arch villains, primarily Fat Cat, a mafia style tabby, and a scientist, uh, Norton Nimnol. Initially, $28 million was invested into the show when it was created. The pitch for the show didn't actually uh, contain Chippendale, it was based on The Rescuers, the uh, cartoon movies that uh, Disney produced the two older films, but Disney rejected the idea as a sequel since the second film was actually in production at the time. Tad Stones then created a concept with a working title of Metro Mice, starring Indiana Jones-type mouse named Kit Colby and sporting a fedora. The rest of the uh, characters included a chameleon and earlier versions of Gadget. The proposal for the show was well-received at the time, except for Kit's character. Michael Eisner suggested that they be replaced with chipmunks, and then the title of the show was changed and airing began. Chip's uh, voice was done by Tress McNeil, and Dale was a uh, Corey Burton. Audio processing used to speed up the recording, giving them a higher pitch, especially Chip's voice. Chip's clothes were the same from the concept character uh, Kit Colby from Metro Mice, while Dale is uh, Thomas Magnum from Magnum P.I. The show's theme song, as I said, in relation to, let me explain, uh, written by Mark Mueller on ASCAP he is an ASCAP award winner who also wrote the theme song for DuckTales. Now, VHS releases uh, started February 22nd, 1991, and released 10 episodes on five cassettes. DVDs, there were two volumes, which I own, featuring 51 episodes. The first one was episode 1 through 27, and the second was 28 through 51. Uh, no word from Disney regarding the third release uh, as far as a DVD from episodes 52 through 65, but last year weird to say now 2022 the complete show released on blu-ray once again an iga iga what the hell am i talking about an ign rating uh they were rated at 60th best in the top 100 animated tv shows of all time i mentioned the game before and i will again uh made by capcom the first one and second one are relatively similar in uh regards to action platforming boss battles you can pick up boxes there's uh power-ups that uh, promote invincibility. Uh, you could throw the boxes at each other, so there is friendly fire on. You can make them dizzy. Then there's like these weird, like little bonus games that it's like pink and like black, like lighting, and you have to like throw like a bouncy ball up at like extra lives and points. It's pretty dumb. The uh, little bonus games, but the boss battles are pretty fun. They're, it's a really easy action platformer, and well worth your time. Play them any which way you can. Like I said, the first one's relatively affordable. The second one's incredibly expensive because it didn't have too many produced.
Thanks for uh, tuning in, and I'll close out this uh, episode with a cool unforgotten toy. So here it is. I think I'll close out the episode with this little uh, Tiger Electronic game, but here's the commercial first. It could be lights out for America. A total distraction that could lead to total destruction. A contagious new puzzle that's becoming an obsession. Honey, it's time to put the lights out. All you have to do is put all the lights out. Put all the lights out. Lights out! It looks so easy. It's not that easy. With thousands of different puzzles, it threatens to put the entire nation on the blink. It's Lights Out for America. Lights Out and New Deluxe Lights Out. Hey, who turned the lights out? That was a 1995 commercial for Tiger Electronics' uh, Lights Out game. And that commercial wasn't lying. That game was not easy. And I'll get into that momentarily here. <clears throat> Lights Out, the game. Made by Tiger Electronics in 1995, the game consists of a 5x5 five five grid of lights. When the game starts, a random number or a uh, starred pattern, I guess if you will, of these lights is switched on. Pressing any of the lights will toggle and the adjacent lights as well will light up. Tired of saying lights already, Jesus. The goal of the puzzle is to switch all the lights off, uh, preferably in as few buttons uh, presses as possible. Tiger Toys also produced a cartridge version of the lights out for the GameCom handheld game console, which I've never even heard of, in 1997, shipped free with the uh, console. Created by a group of people, there's several here, including Avi Olti, Giora, or Giora Benedict, Zvi Herman, Zvi Herman, whatever, Revital Bloomberg and Avi Wiener. The guy's name is Wiener. That's fantastic. And Michael Ganor. Ganor. I, such weird. Can't they just have a normal name? Hi, I'm Todd Peterson. I invented the Lights Out game. Like, what the fuck? Surprisingly, it was an addictive mathematical game. If uh, a light was on, the premise is that it had to be toggled uh, an odd number of times to be turned off. If a light was already off, it required an even number of times to remain off. In uh, 1998, mathematicians uh, used linear algebra to prove not all configurations were solvable. Only four winning uh, scenarios were proven, so they went that route to you know, discover the answer, and they won that battle. The game itself, to me, was incredibly difficult, as I said. I more or less was just dicking around pressing fucking buttons. It was almost like a kid's toy, like, like, a, like an infantile toy, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I felt like a baby, just like pressing buttons. I still don't know what I'm doing with the game, but uh, I definitely remember the toy and I remembered the commercial. So that's why I wanted to bring it up for you on uh, this uh, Marshall Media Montage episode. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for the support. Much love. I'll see you guys next time.